0: Letter before Revelations. He says, Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith. Very interesting. He had something on his heart he wanted to write, but he felt urged in his spirit to share something else. On Thursday night, I um, was getting near finishing uh, a talk on justification. I love justification, and uh, I felt like, oh, before I just finish it up, just going to spend some time with Jesus and felt him urge me uh, to share something else. Um, and so, uh, I, I am going to share something else, of course. Um, and it's interesting, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, with hockey terms, um, but there was, I, I grew up playing hockey and uh, there was often times when we'd be sitting before we go out on a shift and it's like, okay... This next one, let's get a goal. And they don't count unless it's pretty, right? doesn't count unless it goes top shelf. Hey, and there we go. I'm being corrected. I know. And so actually, um, Dan, a good friend, walked by here, a hockey fan as well, um, just said, hey, make it count. And I said, uh, you know what? Yeah, we're going to go top shelf. And then I was like, no. You know what? As long as it goes in, it counts, (laughs) right? As long as it goes in, it counts, And so uh, I say all of that uh, just to let you know, I'm just going to do my best to share from my heart. Um, I also share the part on Jude because I think there's something um, in us that when we expect to hear from God, um, our hearts can be more prepared. I hope the worship did that, that you got prepared to hear um, what God might have to say to you today. But I'm also hoping that um, God knocking me or tapping me on the shoulder and urging me to share something other than what I had wanted to share um, would put you in a place of expectancy, where you'd be on the edge of your seat, not listening to what I'm going to say, but listening to maybe what God would want to say to you. Not even maybe by the words that I say, but he is here working and speaking and wanting to share with us all right so let's pray and then we'll uh we'll begin father i i just thank you i thank you for your word i just thank you for um the freedom to gather in a place like this i thank you for your desire um just to speak to me personally to each one of us personally and maybe to us as a whole and i thank you father that uh That you have the ability, um, in spite of me, to communicate today. And I praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he heard my cry. What have you been crying out to God about lately? What have you been crying out to God about lately? And if you haven't been crying out to Him lately, Adam, it is so good to see you. Wow. It is. Wow. My heart rate just went up. It's really good to see you. If you haven't been crying out to God lately... number of reasons why you might not be, but what what do you think you would be crying out to him? What are the things that are bothering, burdening, or important to you that you think, oh, if I actually wasn't so busy and I had time to cry out to the Lord, this is what I would be crying out to the Lord for. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard my cry. Recently, I had a good friend of mine share a dream she had of me uh, the other week. The dream was of a a fork in the road. Now, there's been a lot of young students dreaming of me lately. They're nightmares, actually. (laughs) We're playing spy versus spy, and they see me coming with the water gun in the middle of the night. It's wonderful. But this particular dream was of a fork in the road. And one way represented my default way of living. The other, obviously, represented me following Jesus in simple, childlike faith. My default way of living is that I've got to figure everything out in order to know peace and relax So often I put life on pause to try to figure stuff out and it just causes me a lot of gray hair, stress, anxiety, and all that kind of stuff. In order for me to actually follow God in simple childlike faith, I have to. I must surrender and abandon and leave my old ways and place my trust in Him. He was, inv- he was, literally, it was kind of like an invitation. He was inviting me to follow him. He wasn't inviting me just to leave this other path and do devotions or spend time with him. It was an invitation for me to leave my old way, not for a day, but for good. Now, a week before this, before she shared this dream with me, I was meeting with my accountability partner. This is somebody, a trusted friend that I meet with face to face every single week. And a week prior to the dream being revealed to me, God impressed on my heart quite uh, quite clearly and he directed me to this psalm, the whole chapter. But as I mentioned, it begins like this. I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. He turned to me and he heard my cry. Now, crying out to God is one thing, right? Talking to Him about the things that burden me, that bother me, that are really important to me. But waiting on Him, patiently waiting on Him long enough for Him to respond is another thing. Or crying out to Him, sharing with Him what's bothering me in a way that I actually leave and unload my burden with Him. That's another thing. I can cry to God, I talk to Him, I actually talk to Him a lot, but I usually talk to Him and go back with my problems to try to figure them out. This is what He was inviting me to, leave your old ways and come to me and stay with me and remain with me in simple childlike faith. This is what he's inviting me to and I believe this is what he's inviting us all to. Leaving our old ways to follow him more closely. Knowing and trusting him more deeply. Experiencing his love more fully. Just for me? No. So that we can make other followers. We can make other followers who stay close to Jesus Live for Him, reflect His glory so that the world can know Him. So this morning, I just want to invite you to follow Jesus by identifying and surrendering your ways so that you can follow His ways and fulfill the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, other followers of Jesus. Now before inviting you to surrender and follow Him, it's important first to know where you are, right? Where are you? You need to know where you are so you can actually know, what am I need to give up and surrender so that I can follow him in simple faith? God has been helping man discover where he is since the beginning of Adam and Eve. You might remember um, after Adam's fall, the fall in the garden, that God came, the first thing he said is, where are you? God wasn't playing a game with them. He knew where they were. It was a desperate cry for Intimacy. Something in the closeness of their relationship was broken, and God couldn't ignore it and wanted to deal with it. Where are you? It's a really important question, one that isn't always easy to answer. Without some honest time of reflection or maybe help from a friend, it's hard to identify and even have the language for where you are. The other difficulty is if you do know where you are, it's really hard to admit where you are. Same problem Adam and Eve had. Now, Peter Scazzaro, author of Emotionally Healthy Church, helps us with the work he has done. He says, and I quote, Most Christians today are struggling, especially when it comes to spending time with God. You may be one of them. After 20 years and traveling over 65 nations, here are my observations about the current spiritual condition of the church today. He says, we are living off other people's spirituality, scattered, fragmented, and Uncentered. Physically, spiritually, and emotionally tired, existing with only one inch deep spirituality, praying and communing with God very little, not very intentional in pursuing Jesus, experiencing a state of stuckness in our spiritual journey with Christ, or struggling to stop our life on the run. Which one of these do you identify with? Can you see yourself in any of those statements? This week, I would have to admit that I feel scattered, fragmented, and uncentered a bit emotionally tired, and I've struggled to stop my life on the run and patiently wait for him. That was the first part of my week until Thursday night, and my wife actually helped me. When God tapped me on the shoulder... I knew that I began to feel restless and I'm like, you want me to, s- to share something else? I'm having a difficult time enough trying to figure out exactly how to package justification and now you want me to share something else and it's late Thursday night? My tendency was to what? Go figure it out? I know, I know so clearly I can't sometimes most times i can't get out of my old pattern alone went to my wife shared she helped we prayed and there was a shifting there was a centering but honestly it took me about 48 hours you guys it did it took me a long time i was disturbed in my heart and in my spirit where are you can you identify where you are this week or this month? If, if you can identify where you are, from that place, can you see how difficult it actually is for you to follow Jesus? It's not the best color I used for that, I guess. It's fine. As long as it goes in, right? Right? <laughs> Goes off your shin. I love those. When I'm scattered and fragmented and uncentered, it is very difficult to follow Jesus. In fact, I would say, I am saved, but I'm not following Jesus. I'm not with him. I am somewhere else trying to figure stuff out. When I'm scattered, I'm not controlled by his spirit. I'm controlled by my fears and anxieties and a bunch of other things. So if we are going to actually follow Jesus and make followers of Jesus, we must follow him. And in order for us to follow him, we first need to know where we are at so that we know what to surrender and abandon and leave for him in simple faith. So you have to know where you're at. Number two, I believe that someone else has to know where you're really at. Does somebody else know where you're really at? Last year, I ended up spiritually stuck. Just spiritually stuck. I had actually thought, that I can do this Christianity, this walk with Jesus on my own. Now, I didn't consciously, would never have thought that or admitted it, but really the way that I was living pointed to the fact that I was believing that I can actually do this on my own. I had set up some accountability with a really good friend, and life gets busy, And it's like, I don't need to meet every week. I just don't. And I ended up spiritually entangled and stuck. He made it clear that I cannot walk with God without his power and without his people. I have a proud heart. I want to be independent. I want to be able to say, This this walk with Jesus isn't easy. But I can do it. But I can't. We can't without God's power and without God's people. So for a good portion of this last year, I have met face-to-face with a trusted good friend for accountability, but much more than that, for encouragement, for support, and to push each other to passionately seek Jesus, to keep him center, to trust him more. I have someone other than my wife who knows me inside out. It's not fun, but I have someone. Do you? Do you have somebody, a fellow believer that knows you, knows where you are, and if not, why not? You can attend church and small groups and still not be known. You can secretly be struggling with a number of things. Not everyone needs to know you, but someone does. Someone needs to know where you really are and what you really struggle with and what really makes you tick. It's not on the screen, but I'm going to read just some scripture. 1 John 1, 5 to 5-10. This is the message. We have heard from him and declare to you, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's good. Psalm 32, 1 to 5. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Guilt is heavy. Guilt is heavy. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you might be healed. So that you might be free from the guilt. When someone truly knows where you're really at, When someone truly knows where you're really at, many things, but two things will be exposed for certain. Your pride and what controls you. When someone really knows where you're at, pride and what controls you will be exposed and they have to be dealt with. They must be dealt with. If you're going to leave your old ways and follow him in simple faith, if you're going to follow and stay and remain with him close as a follower, because that's what followers do. They don't spend time with him in the morning and the majority of the other time in their default Pattern, old ways of thinking and doing life. That's not following him. We're called to follow him, stay very close, and make other followers. Pride will be exposed. When I first heard this dream from this friend and then talked and prayed with uh, my accountability partner about this dream, I was annoyed in my heart. I don't think he knew it, right? I was able to keep it from him. Not anymore, right? I just had to process. I was annoyed. Why was I so annoyed? Because this isn't anything new. I've been here stuck, and it just feels like God is nagging me And I'm here, I know I'm stuck, but I'm trying hard to figure it out, right? I'm working hard to figure it out. And so it's annoying for God to talk to somebody else about where I'm at. I don't want to be told by somebody else that I'm in a rut. I realize my heart is proud. I don't want to be reminded that I can't do this on my own. bible says a wise man receives instruction and correction and rebuke for whatever reason proverbs paints this picture of a wise man like loving and being open to and soft towards and inviting rebuke and correction and instruction the biblical definition of a fool is one who resists instruction and correction. I want to be wise. I want to be wise. I, got a, I was going to quote it, but I'm going to look it up. I just love this. I want to be wise. let you know, I could have quoted this verse probably two years ago. I am rusty. And the reason is because I haven't spent time in the Word as I should. So I'm not able to quote this verse anymore. It's crazy. He's calling me to get back to His Word and hide it in my heart. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. As I reflected on this dream, I realized he was not calling me to manage my old ways, but to leave them for good. And again I say it, I knew that I couldn't. I can manage it on my own, but I can't leave that place on my own without God's power and without God's people. I just can't. And so I humbled myself and I took what felt like a rebuke and I thanked God for it and for the messenger and I blessed the messenger. It's a wonderful, trusted friend I admire and I'm thankful that she shared with me. Maybe you can identify with despising or resisting input from others. Your back gets up when you're given advice, instruction, or correction, you don't see it as loving but threatening. not wise it's foolish and i at times am very foolish because i want to resist correction but when people instruct or give advice or correct it's actually loving it's loving. And it's humbling. If somebody knows where you're really at, pride is going to be exposed in you. The other thing that it will be exposed in you without fail, if they really know where you're at, is what controls you. What controls you? you're following Jesus, you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're surrendered to him. When you're not surrendered or controlled to the Holy Spirit, what are you controlled by? Fears? I don't know. When you go to work, what are you controlled by? Demands? Expectations. I went to a wedding yesterday. And in preparation for this, I went controlled by his spirit. And I walked into the wedding. I saw people that I haven't seen for five years. And it took me a long time because it was as easy as that to go from being controlled by the spirit to being controlled by what do people think, my insecurities, all of that kind of stuff. And I was aware of it, had to work through that, had to be emotionally honest about it. Right? Right? Because I want to get back to him and follow him, it's no longer good enough just to pretend everything's fine and I'm not, right? Because then now I'm just, I'm not crying out to him, I'm just pretending. And, And I just don't want to do that anymore. I'm tired of it. What's controlling you? If it isn't the Holy Spirit. So I waited patiently on the Lord. Go back. Um, When somebody really knows where you're at, they will know, because you'll have to be honest with them. Otherwise, it's just really goofy. Um, They'll they'll come to know what controls you. And I think I I had it here, Um, and I want to say this, when somebody truly knows where you are at continually, okay, because I could let somebody know where I'm at today, that I'm controlled by fears or desires or appetites or insecurities, I can share that with somebody, but then, if I'm not continually being honest with them, I will drift. And the next time I see that person, I'm going to want to appear like I'm no longer controlled by that. Right? And if in the moment I'm not controlled by that, and if he was a good friend and said, how are you doing with that? Great. I'm doing great. Maybe right now I'm doing great, but if I haven't seen that person for six months, it's like, no, I'm doing really great. I don't have to be honest about how long I've been over here, struggling. So when somebody knows where you are continually, pride will be revealed, exposed, and so will what controls you. Psalm 40, I waited patiently on the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. What are you crying out to God for? What are you crying out to God for? And if you're not crying out to him, do you have anything on your heart that burdens you or that's bothering you or that is important enough that you should take some time to cry out to him and express to him where you're really at? The people of Israel were slaves for 430 years. They cried out to God. He heard their cry. He saw them and he came down and rescued them. And he rescued them to bring them out so they could worship him. So they could worship him. What did they cry out? I'm a slave. I'm a slave. I'm a slave. I need rescuing. See, this process of you knowing where you're at and somebody else knowing where you're at is to get you to the point where you are sick enough of your pride and the things that control you that you cry out to God to deliver you from them. And then patiently wait for Him because you know you cannot deliver yourself from pride or from the flesh that controls you apart from God's Spirit and His people. I think that if you don't know where you're at and somebody else doesn't know where you're at, that there is a good chance that you do cry out to God, but it's about a bunch of external stuff that's bothering you. That's not wrong. We need to be crying out to God about injustices, about things that we care about. Crying out to God when people sustain injuries like Adam, we've got to cry out. And I think we're okay at that. invitation this morning is that somehow you would say, God, take me on a journey. Help me know where I'm at. I want somebody else to know where I'm at, so you can expose, because we can't see our pride, guys. Cannot. You can expose my pride and the things that control me so that I'd get to the place where I say, I cry out, God, deliver me. I need Jesus to rescue me. Continually. What do you do with this? Go to Really simple. These aren't little steps. It's just a process that I've come to to know that's been helpful for me to confess, to admit, to invite, and to surrender and trust. Confess means to agree with. I confess, I agree that I am proud. God, I confess that I am controlled by appetites, desires, fears, insecurities, expectations, pressures. I confess that. And I confess that it's easier to be controlled by these things than by your Spirit. I confess That this way of living is wrong, it's sin, and not most fruitful. I confess that your way of trusting your spirit and following his leading and remaining close to Jesus is the best way. I agree with that. But I admit that this is a problem that I can't do on my own. Without your power and without your people, I'm hopeless. I'm a slave. I know you've called me a son, but there's something in me where I need help beyond me. And I admit that. And guys, admitting is one of my favorite words in the dictionary. Do you know what it means? Means to grant or gain entrance to, give permission for somebody to enter. You go to a movie, you get a ticket that says Admit One. Without that, you don't get in to the show. When you admit where you're really at, you are giving permission for Jesus Christ and for somebody else to come in and to help you where you need help the most. Admit hard to do, hard for our first parents hard for us, really important or else you can just stay wounded and stuck invite it's basically admitting, right, but it's that idea of I, I just Jesus I admit where I'm at, I got a problem I can't do this, I invite you I invite you And I invite you, because I don't understand why I'm stuck, I invite you to change what I believe because I know I'm not believing right because I'm over here. Change what I believe at the core and change the way that I think because my thinking is wrong in my heart. There's something wrong with my heart. I invite you to continue to do that work of sanctification so you change the way that I believe what I believe about you and myself and what's important and change the way that I think. And then God, by faith, I surrender. I surrender my old way, my tendency to think that I can do this on my own. I surrender my, the temptation to not fully be honest with my accountability partner. I choose to surrender and trust that that's the best thing. I surrender. I have to give up. That way, in faith, I give it up. I abandon it because it's not working. I'm going to call Lincoln and the band up to, to close. Um, and as you worship, listen, and uh, just continue to listen for his voice and what he might want to, to share with you.
1: Grace the bounds of deepest waters. Your sovereign hand will be my God. wherever you would call me and take me deeper than my feet could ever wander my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior
0: to be individual followers of Jesus Christ, but a community of followers. The picture in John 15 of us remaining in him would be absolutely ridiculous if there was a tree with one branch. That wouldn't be an attractive tree, But but a vine with many branches who are connected to him. Individually, yes, following him, but together. Have to, must do this together. Please stand while we pray and close. What can you do with a message like this? I would just, the call to action is, whatever you've heard, talk to God about it. And then find somebody else and talk to them about it. Father, I thank you for how good you are. I thank you for Jesus Christ that you came and rescued us. We really needed it. And Father, we don't always see that we need your rescuing. Help us get close enough to other people so that we see we need rescue. More than anyone, we need your rescue. And we have it. I pray a blessing on Hillside as a community. I pray, God, that you would do whatever it takes to make us followers of Jesus Christ who make followers of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.